but they haven't at all. No, I think there's a there's a big sense, especially among the Democrats, less among Republicans, of unfairness. You know, it's kind of, um, uh, you know, the feeling of fairness. So um, I think Biden has this overriding Democrat feeling that, you know, we want everybody to be nice and decent to each other and uh, and unfair. So I think what he's basically done is he's just not rolled back any of the Trump extremes mm. uh, rather than going any further. But uh, probably has been a bit of a surprise that he hasn't offered more of an olive branch. But... I sort of feel that I could see what's happening in the last couple of days between his olive branch to Putin and, and reverse. The US doesn't really want to have bad relationships with, with these countries. Um, they just don't want to feel that they're being ripped off. Okay. Well, Richard, thank you very much for coming in. Always a pleasure. Have a happy new year. Thank you. That's Richard Harris, the CEO of Port Shelter Investment Management. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in the markets this morning, uh, the SX200 looking pretty flattish as we speak. Uh, the Nikkei 225 is moving down. It's down about 0.8% at the moment. Cosby's also turned negative in South Korea as well. That's down about 0.1%. Looks like a flat open for the Hang Seng here in Hong Kong in just under an hour's time. In the commodities markets, Wen Kud Oil trading at $79.22 a barrel. Gold is at $1,805 an ounce. We'll continue our review of 2021 and look forward to 2022 tomorrow. My guest tomorrow is Lashar from BBVA, so please do join me for that. Uh, stay tuned for uh, to Radio 3 for back chat. Uh, Janice Wong and Jenny Lam on the show this morning. The weather forecast for today. Fine, cool in the morning, dry during the day. Maximum temperatures about 21 degrees. And then the outlook, mainly fine with cool mornings in the next couple of days. It's 17 degrees right now, 79% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Andrew Shorovsky with the half-hour news. Police sources say the founder of Stand News, Tony Choi, is wanted in connection with the national security case. It follows the arrests yesterday of seven people linked to the media outlet, which has ceased operations after more than $60 million of assets were frozen. Here's Natalie Ching. National Security Police raided Stand News Kuntong office in the morning and took away computers and boxes of evidence under a court warrant authorizing the seizure of journalistic materials. Officers say at least seven people were arrested for allegedly publishing numerous articles aimed at inciting hatred against the government and rule of law and promoting Hong Kong independence starting from July 2020. It's understood the acting chief editor and a former editor were among those arrested, along with four former board members, including barrister Margaret Ng and singer Denise Ho. Police have frozen $61 million worth of the company's assets using powers under the national security law. Executive Counselor Ronnie Tong says the actions against Stand News were not taken because of its reporting. What uh, has uh, happened here has very little to do with uh, news reporting, but rather the uh, organizers of Stand News uh, accused of provide, providing a platform to allow fugitives to publish articles which uh, promote you know, hatred, animosity, uh, and even violence, uh, you know, in relation to the system in Hong Kong. And then obviously, uh, you know, or at least uh, on the face of it, violates uh, the provisions of the crimes ordinance. The British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell has been convicted of trafficking underage girls for sexual abuse by the late U.S. financier Jeffrey Epstein. 
A jury in New York found her guilty on five out of six charges connected with procuring the victims and facilitating abuse. She could spend the rest of her life in prison. Lisa Bloom is a lawyer who represented eight women in claims against Epstein. She was asked what it took for a woman to come and give evidence. Nobody wants to go to court and testify in a sexual assault trial. Most people will never even call an attorney. Most people will just somehow manage to live with it. It takes extraordinary courage, not only to go in and testify in front of a room full of strangers, but then to be cross-examined for hour after hour about every detail of your life, about the most humiliating aspects of your life. And that's what four women did in this case. And they did it because it was the right thing to Locally, police say they have arrested three more staff members of the foster home at the center of abuse allegations. Officers said the three women from the children's residential home were being detained on suspicion of ill, suspicion of ill treatment or neglect of children. The force added that the number of children allegedly abused had risen to 20. Three women were arrested earlier. Two of them were charged. That's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your co-host today is Jenny Lam. Good, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Jenny. Today we're talking about non-fungible tokens or NFTs and what to do with your Christmas tree. You've probably heard the hype. NFTs are exploding in popularity and value. It's the latest blockchain-based piece of technological wizardry that somehow turns a digital object, a work of art, a video, or even a tweet into a verifiable, one-of-a-kind asset that people can trade for real money. It's a kind of a non-replaceable digital certificate that proves that your NFT is the only one in the world, even if billions of people have access to the same digital file or photo or video that you own. Confused yet? So today we're try going to try to work out what NFTs are. Is it all hype and no substance? Or is it the future of fine art trading? And how does it affect the environment? After 9.15am, we'll talk to the Environmental Protection Department about Christmas tree recycling in Hong Kong. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or just give us a call on 23388266. Now to uh, kick off our discussion this morning, we have with us in our Kowloon Tong studio, Jesse Koh, the General Manager of Blockchain Solutions. And in our Admiralty studio, we have Enid Cho, the arts director, arts editor of the South China Morning Post, and Ronald Yu, a lecturer on fintech at the Engineering School of the Chinese University. Good morning to all of you, and welcome to Backchat. Um, let's start with you, Jesse. Uh, can you first explain, in the simplest way possible, what NFTs are? Right. Uh, so NFTs really started um, is. From a very technical perspective, it's just a protocol. It's just another cryptocurrency on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, however, um, I think since CryptoKitties, which is around 2017, if I recall correctly, um, it really exploded. Um, and if we talk about boil down what it is, a cryptocurrency um, is just like money, right? It's one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, and you know your Bitcoin equals my Bitcoin. But um, non-fungible token, as it's named, um, non-fungible means that it cannot be mixed. So when it, each token is different. So it, you can uh, think of it as a 
it at a concert, you know, even though one ticket is equal to another, but you have different seats. So they cannot be mixed together and they're very different. All right, uh, Jesse, let me just clarify something. So basically, um, I can sell anything digital as an NFT. So, so for example, um, can I sell a photo of myself on my social media account as an NFT? Yes, you, you may. Actually, um, I, I currently teach a, a class in uh, Hong Kong Productivity Council. And uh, during the class, I, as an example, I usually mint my uh, daughter's artwork and uh, put it in an NFT. Now, whether anyone would buy that, that's another question. But you can actually mint it, you know, you can mint anything that is digital file. But, but I, I can actually use the same picture, picture as my uh, profile picture again, and uh, anybody in the world can look at it and download it if they want. Sure, yes. Uh, actually, uh, if, you know, I can, I can point an example, you know, the Mona Lisa in, in, in Paris, right? It, it's viewed by millions and, and shared by millions, right? But that art piece by itself, it's still worth probably, you know, millions or, you know, 100 millions of, of US dollars, right? So it's, it's the, the, the fact that the, uh, the file can be shared, um, it, it's, okay, so, sorry, let me take a step back. And, and use, if you remember, recall, uh, back in, you know, 90s and, and uh, 2000s, uh, we usually buy, used to buy CDs, right? CDs cost a lot, right, well, for, for, for digital song. But when MP3s came around, you know, you can share a file within seconds. Obviously, that's, you know, against digital rights, everything, but it still happened because you can make a copy within, you can make a million copies within a second, right? Now, what people are saying, and, and I, I do agree with this, is that NFTs as a protocol actually gives value, puts value back into digital files because you can finally identify, ah, this is the one and only copy and makes it unique. So that is the metaphor of you know, NFT putting value back into anything digital. But how is it one of a kind? Like, for example, when I was talking about my profile picture that everybody, sure. that anybody around the world sure. can uh, download and save, how is that one of a kind when, when uh, everybody or many people can right. have a copy of it? Right. A copy of it doesn't mean the real copy, right? So you can make a million copy of the Mona Lisa, but you, the only one single real one, it's still in Paris, right? So I think the, the idea is you are essentially the artist or, or, or the, the person who's, who's minting NFT, who, who assuming to have the original artwork. They're actually telling the world, ah, I have made this, and this is the one and only uh, copy, and that makes that copy unique. And I have the rights to this copy. So that's, that's why it, we're putting, you know, that's called putting value back into the digital files. Okay, so I have an NFT of the Mona Lisa and not the real thing, and now it's worth a million dollars, and I want to cash it in to buy a house. How do I do that? Well, uh, assuming you have the rights, <laughs> you have to correct. Can, can you do that? Um, I get, you can mint anything, but it's uh, whether, whether, okay, so let's assume that you, you have the rights to mint an NFT of the Mona Lisa. Um, and then you, you just go sell it online. Um, actually, right now, there are very major, major uh, online platforms. Um, you know, I, I can name them. Some of them are open, called OpenSea or, or Variable, you know, they're, they're super rare. There, there are many of them, but it, it's traded every single day. NFTs are traded every single day, every single minute, every single second. Yeah, but, but my question is, now yeah. I want to cash it in and sure. I want to buy a house in Kowloon Tong that's a million dollars. How do I do that? <laughs> sure. Um, actually, then, uh, once you sell NFT, it's usually in a form right now, uh, usually in uh, traded in cryptocurrencies, usually in Ethereum. Well, because the whole thing started with in, on an Ethereum chain. Um, and once you get Ethereum, it's actually... Um, it's valuable. You can you can sell it. Um, you can convert it into something else, or you can convert it into what we call fiat cash. And then you can buy it.
So I can go to a, a state agent and say, hey, I have this $1 million NFT. Can you do that? Um, I think some aspire or, or, or enterprising uh, agent would do that because uh, it's it's you know it's like Bitcoin, right? It's like oh, I, I give you ten Bitcoin, you know, like how much house can I buy? Right? Okay, so it's basically a virtual investment tool, yeah. Um, it can be investment, uh, but right now, um, it, it, it's. I think the industry would say it's more of a bragging rights to own an NFT than to invest. <laughs> be, well, unless obviously you're you're investing in you know the really really expensive ones. Yeah. All right, and Jenny, I'm not sure you can get a house with a million dollars right now in Kowloon Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. All right. Not yeah. even a car park. No. <laughs> yes. All right. Now, now let's bring in Enid. I, I know NFTs have been uh, having a big impact in the art world. How big of an impact has it been having? I mean, can you tell us a bit about well, that? Well, I mean, it's such a fascinating um, area, and um, it, that um, and, and it's really complicated. Um, that's why early in the year I decided that rather than just report on it and write about it, um, uh, I wanted to sort of get my hands dirty and, and do it. So um, 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 uh, with the help of my more techie colleagues, we launched an NFT charity auction to raise money for Operation Santa Claus. And, um, and it's been a real education. And to address some of the points that you were discussing earlier with Jesse, um, there is a difference, I think, between um, NFTs that are pegged to a purely digital creation and NFTs that are attached to a physical object. So a Mona Lisa, if you mint an NFT of this painting in the Louvre, then um, there is a question about who actually owns the painting. Is it the Louvre Museum or the person who owns the NFT of it? Um, it's not a very neat um, uh, um, proposal, but if it's a digital, if it's a piece of digital art that's actually minted into the NFT, then whoever owns the NFT of that piece of art um, also owns the digital file itself that constitutes the artwork. And, um, and that is very useful to artists who mainly create um, works that are digital um, and, or, or even um, videos. Um, so, for example, one of the artists who participated in our um, auction is Frog King. And um, he is probably best known as one of, if not the um, earliest um, artists to make performance art in mainland China. So in the late 70s, he was doing performances on the Great Wall of China in Tiananmen Square and so on. And those performances were recorded in old-fashioned videos. Yeah, um, But he hasn't really been able to sell any of that footage because it's difficult to sell. It's not a painting. It's not a piece of sculpture. Right? But with NFT, um, which is um, basically a digital certificate of authenticity, then you can say, I'm selling this footage and this is um, an attachment. That means that you can sell it on um, without any question to um, the ownership of it. 
Okay. Okay, let's bring in Ronald Yu. Um, you're a lecturer on fintech at, at COHK. Um, are NFT hackable? Can you hack them? NFTs can be. Um, theoretically, you can hack them. Um, in fact, the smart contract aspects of NFTs have been hacked. Uh, when Beeple sold the, uh, the the $69 million Beeple uh, NFT was sold a few days later, um, somebody called Monsieur Pesson uh, made a copy of it. And what he had done was actually he hacked the uh, smart contract that was attached to that NFT and uh, made a copy of the NFT. So that, that certificate of authenticity um, then is, is of zero value then? Um, if it's hacked? Theoretically, you have a – well, he, had, he made a second copy. So theoretically, you have now two copies of the certificate of authenticity. Okay. So how does that devalue the, 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 um, the series of codes, essentially? Well, essentially, the, the piece of art, I still think um, the buyer could still sell it for some piece of money. Um, as far as the devaluation is concerned, that is yet to be seen how um, all this will happen um, because after the um, – because you also had other artists who have put up uh, NF, copies of NFTs on um, something called the NFT Bay. And it was an Australian artist, uh, come developer, and uh, he, he put all of these up as a 17-terabyte uh, file. So if you wanted to download a bunch of NFTs, you could. And his point was that um, when you buy the NFT, you're actually buying uh, – you're not buying the ownership that you might think you're getting. So he, he put this out there. And um, has this affected the price of those NFTs? I'm not frankly sure. Um, but I, I suspect uh, it's made a lot of people very aware of the fact um, that, you know, the uniqueness and the value is something they have to think through very, very carefully. So we were talking really about a parallel virtual world of ownership of, of things <clears throat> digital, right? But, I mean... In it, let's go back to that point about you were you were talking about an artist in, in the mainland who's who's um, work well, couldn't frocking be sold. Is a, frocking is a Hong Kong artist, um, uh, but okay. he was in in the nineteen seventies. Uh, sorry, he was uh, the f the first to go to China right. and to make performance art. And um, so, you know, the result of those performances, obviously the performances themselves were ephemeral, ephemeral okay. but um, there were you know, video records of it. And that's not something that artists can sell and make money out of easily. Um, well, maybe it's the nobody same thing wanted with, it. And it's, we've, and it's, well, I mean, it's, I mean, I think, I think um, most, most, people, most art historians in Hong Kong would um, agree that he has a, quite a significant position in, in Hong Kong art history. Um, and um, his, I mean, his physical works have certainly been sold, um, but just not the videos. Um, and also it's the same with digital art. And digital art itself, I suppose, is not without controversy in that there are a lot of people in this world who think digital art created with computers um, is simply not serious art. Right. Um, art should be made with a paintbrush or whatever. Right? Um, but, I mean, personally, I think that given that most of us spend um, many, many hours a day looking at digital screens, um, I think it would be quite, um, um, quite, quite, it would be unreasonable to say that anything made with computers is not reflective of 
how we live in our culture. So, so Enid, yeah. Enid, just how popular is digital art in Hong Kong right now? I, I know just a few months ago, um, Hong Kong held its uh, first digital art fair. So, so does it mean it, it is uh, popular in Hong Kong, digital art? Well, that's art? the thing. Um, if you ask art collectors um, a year, two years ago, do you own any digital art? Most would say no. Um, it's because it's too difficult to prove ownership. Like you said, I mean, Janice, you, you were saying you, you can you can have a, 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 a an image that you can use as a profile pic. Anybody can copy it, right? Why would you buy something like that? So NF, the arrival of NFTs has prompted some serious art collectors to um, begin collecting digital art if there is this certificate of authenticity attached to them. And um, and also, but but I mean, but again, we're talking about. NFTs that are attached to a work that's only that only exists in a digital form. So if it's the Mona Lisa or a painting that has an NFT, then it's quite a different proposition. So interestingly, in March um, this year, a group of anonymous, um, I suppose, NFT enthusiasts, they um, they held. A screen print by Banksy, you know, the well-known um, British um, um, uh, street artist. The, that print was worth about you know, nearly a hundred thousand U.S. dollars. In front of a live camera, um, they said, "We have now minted this into an NFT. There is now an NFT for this hundred thousand dollar print." And then it burnt it. Um, so. They've destroyed the physical work, and all that's left, so the ghost of it, is an NFT. And that was sold for goodness knows how much money. And Damien Hirst, of course, has made um, uh, um, a series of works, paintings, physical paintings, um, that have NFTs attached to them. And he's told whoever who buy, who, whoever buys a copy of these, printing, uh, they, they, these paintings they have a year to decide whether they keep the physical painting or the NFT. They, they can't have both. So I think a lot of artists are thinking about this, this conundrum. Can you have a physical element to an NFT? So, you know, as somebody who, who, who as an art editor, do you think it's a, a, a pity to, to just burn uh, this physical object that Banksy has created? Do you see us um, burning Picasso's and Mona Lisa's? I, I mean, personally, personally, I do attach a great deal of value to the material aspect of an artwork. If it's a, obviously, I mean, if it's a physical object, um, and um, and I think it is con- it it is worrying that more and more um, people's lives, all our lives, have become too far removed from the material world. Do you um, do you do you agree with that, Jesse? That 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 is a worry that uh, we're just divorced from reality. Um, I, I I think I'm I'm also uh, I'm more towards the keeping the physical uh, part. But um, I think we all uh, we should keep in mind that um, this is not just about digital. Or, or I'm speaking from the artist perspective, right? So in the old days, right? I'm going to tell a little a quick story. Uh, in old days, assuming you have an aspiring young artist um, with uh, a physical you know painting artist, right? Um, and then they, they 
obviously their the art is not worth much, you know. And then assuming an old business model is an art gallery would go and say, oh, I'm going to buy all your paintings, assuming 100 pieces of art. Um, I'm going to buy for uh, 1 million uh, Hong Kong dollars, right? So uh, 10,000 10, each, right? And then obviously this gallery, you know, makes it uh, makes him very popular, you know, through all the promotions and his network. And then, you know, three years later, now his, one of his artwork is worth one million dollars, uh, right? But uh, obviously the, the artist is now worth a lot. But it, the previous art, uh, the hundred pieces of artwork that he sold, has nothing to do with it anymore. Now with NFT, you're actually introducing a new economics where all traded NFTs a certain pro, uh, proceed of that goes back to the original artist. Now this is brand new. This is completely new. And from the artist's perspective, it's actually very attractive. You know, if this thing trades hundred times and it, it keeps on going in price, I don't have to do anything. I, I don't have to work anymore. Literally, isn't that what royalty and patents essentially do? Yeah, and and what I'm trying, I think the the, the idea of uh, NFT is it, it, royalties were not possible back in the, if it's purely physical because once you sold, you, you've sold everything, right? But with NFTs, you can because everything is digitalized. Okay, so Ronald, you what about you? Do you do, do you do you see? Do you agree with what Enid was saying that that uh, we're we're basically uh, turning everything into virtual? I mean, what is what is the value of of reality then? Well, uh, let me let me ex uh, let me just add uh, another point from the uh, previous discussion that uh, if there is a uh, copy of the NFT, then there would be the question of fraud and representation as uh, that would yet to be determined. Now, in terms of the physical world, I tend to agree with um, Enid that um, you you know there's a certain value to having physical objects because the um, digital objects also are vulnerable to uh, other things that physical objects are not vulnerable to and vice versa. For example, the um, Toy Story 2, um, there's a story the uh, original uh, software code for Toy Story 2 was destroyed um, due to improper uh, maintenance. So, I mean, the current copy of Toy Story 2 is really a backup copy that they just happened to, Disney happened to be able to salvage. So, I, I do think that there's a certain uh, um, there are certain risks involved with digital art, um, and uh, you have to be aware. Of course, physical art can deteriorate as well, and you must keep, you know, for example, your uh, ancient paintings in good order in a good, you know, in a good room with. The so proper. yes, we're talking about a need for to, for conservators, absolutely, to, um, which of course they they are doing um, uh, certainly at Amplas Museum. Um, they are working on you know, digital files, digital works that um, and, 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 and how, how, how to make sure that people can still see them in, in like a hundred years time. Absolutely, so, absolutely. And, and the other thing of the other thing is, of course, uh, going back to the uh, authenticity, you have, you know, if it's a digital uh, representation, uh, NFT representation of a physical piece, there are all sorts of questions about authenticity. Um, I was telling uh, Enid uh, before the break that there is a group in Hong Kong trying to deal with this issue of um, authenticity of the real uh, work of art uh, and its uh, counterpart, NFT. Okay, so to make sure that these two are properly linked, there's a certain amount of authenticity, not only in the linkage, but also the art piece itself. 
Right, all right. We're going to have to take a break for the news very soon. But Enid, uh, Enid I just want to know um, your view. Do you think NFTs are here to stay? Or, or do you think, uh, like some analysts, they have been saying that it's just a, a bubble waiting to be burst? I think they're uh, just very, very quickly. I think it's it's... It's, there's a speculative bubble, obviously. We're not going to see people paying 69 million US dollars for JPEG like they did for the people image um, uh, for, for, for you know, forevermore. But I'm interested in it because of the, sort of the, the utilities, the use of it um, that um, uh, we, we've mentioned earlier. And also um, there is a big movement, um, mainly perhaps from the, coming from the gaming side, um, that's also involved in this phenomenon. So you have a, another category of art that we haven't really talked about, and that's the collectibles. That's the um, you know, the, the board apes and um, uh, the crypto punks. These are you know digital pixelated templates, and there are like thousands or tens of thousands versions of these. And these are collectibles, like trading cards, right? And that's a whole different different game. And then it is a game. There are the complicated rules and determining which one's more valuable. And you know, if, if you're one of the collectors, you can join actual clubs. So you know, they have junk parties in Hong Kong you know, for people who own board apes. And and it's it's um, yeah, there's all that as well. And and it's to do with perhaps you know young people becoming wealthier generally. And, um, and 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 also, I don't know. I mean, I also see this as part of perhaps an in, an, an, an an increasingly infantilized culture, which has <laughs> may, maybe it's to do with the time that we're living in. It's so you know, there's so many problems, right? Uh, and people uh, escape, and that's why you see the uh, huge success of like you know, cause and and other um, uh, um, pop, pop artists. Uh, and if I might, yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. If I might add, um, there are also other applications of NFTs. Then, uh, for example, patents, um, supply chain, etc. So um, there, there, there are more things that NFTs can be used All for. Right. Sorry, sorry, Ronald. I'm afraid we have to take a take a quick break for the news. Uh, Enid, I know you have to rush off. Uh, thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Enid Cho, the arts direct editor of the South China Morning Post. Um, Jesse and Ronald, we can discuss more after the news. And uh, just a reminder, after 9.15, we'll be looking at Christmas tree recycling in Hong Kong. And a quick look at the weather. It'll be a fine and cool in the morning, dry during the day. Right now it's 17 degrees, relative humidity 80 percent. Good morning with Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong. We're talking about NFTs. If you have any questions or comments on today's topics, feel free to contact us. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266. And our Facebook page is backchat on rthk radio 3. Still with us on the program is Jesse Ko, the general manager of Blockchain Solutions. And Ronald Yu, a lecturer on fintech at the engineering school of the Chinese University. So, um, Ronald... In the first half of the program, we talked about what NFTs are and why they are so popular. Um, I just want to know uh, if there are any legal issues related to these NFTs. For example, when someone uh, creates an NFT using someone else's work, um, is there a copyright issue involved? Well, do you have a few hours? <laughs> Unfortunately uh, not. <laughs> um, 
The legal issues are extraordinarily complicated, so um, I'm going to try to simplify them. Um, since you mentioned copyright, yes, there are copyright issues um, as to whether the person has the right to put the, the work, uh, use the work, and um, you know who might object uh, to the work. For example, you had the um, Nathan Apodaca who did the uh, video of himself on a skateboard singing, uh, lip-syncing to uh, Dreams, and Stevie Nicks. Uh, the composer objected to him making an NFT, so he was allowed to make an NFT, but without her song. Now, in other cases, you have um, NFTs where the artists have made something with collaboration with other artists, and there's a dispute among the artists. So you have one artist who is holding up the entire sale because he or she has an objection to it, and he's allowed as a copyright holder um, because there there are um, joint authorship uh, under the uh, the notion of joint authorship uh, under copyright law so so there's the complication uh, then finally if you have uh, art that's generated by software there are software issues involved and uh, heaven forbid if you also have software that's artificial intelligent um, artificially intelligent then you have AI issues as well to deal with uh, and those are another kettle of worms so, so how are um, NFTs uh, regulated in Hong Kong? I mean, are they regulated? Um, they're not regulated per se, but you have various elements of law that um, come into play. Okay, so you would, have, you know, you would have securities law. Obviously, you would have intellectual property law. Uh, Jenny, if you sold your NFT and for a million dollars, I'm sure the tax department would uh, try to figure out some way to uh, <laughs> to get some money out of that. Uh, or if you buy your, your house with your uh, your uh, winnings, um, I'm sure they will uh, find a way to uh, find some nice stamp duty bill for you. Um, so you have that, and um, you also have issues of the contracting, which have yet to be settled. Uh, and the contracting issues are extremely complicated because you have smart contracts. Smart contracts are software. Um, they're not legal. Uh, the UK did a uh, law commission did a paper on it, and they stated that smart contracts and uh, typical uh, traditional contracts are different. However, um, legal uh, English law can accommodate a smart contract, and a smart contract under certain conditions can be legally effective. But, you know, this is still yet to be tested. So, so, so Jesse, is there anything else people trading in NFTs should uh, watch out for? Um, that's a very good question. And um, so, uh, w um, in, in my understanding, um, there are many, pe many people using NFTs uh, for different purposes. Um, and um, um, I would say, other than art and digital art, um, it's... Uh, I think, for, for example, um, there's an, uh, a diamond company in New York, right? And then they say, oh, you know, um, they literally they just uh, NFT the the diamond, and then you know it's a and they give a redemption right. So the diamond is it's it's a certain uh, uh, caliber of diamond. You can redeem it any time, right? Um, so, but so that that NFT is is represented um, representing a diamond, a physical diamond, uh, somewhere in the vault in New York. Now. Um, it's it's great, you know. You can trade the NFT, you know. You, you can trade the dime, uh, the NFT as a diamond. You know, if diamond value goes up, you know, you can make money. You know, you don't even have to take uh, take the physical uh, asset out. The problem is, um, it's it's kind of like the what we call a counterparty risk, right? It's me uh, against if what if the diamond shop goes bust, 
what if and then you, your 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 investment is worth worth nothing now so there's all these problems where when you have um, different kinds of, um, of value or different uh, assets that is based on an nft you're facing many you're opening a whole uh, different risks to if uh, and it's most of the time kind of hard risk. Yeah, so so Ronald mentioned smart contracts. What kind of other aspects of regulations is the uh, uh, world of finance thinking about as far as uh, um, you know ensuring that NFTs and 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 you know even just the whole idea of cryptocurrency ensuring that these things have actual values in them. Well, the. In terms of uh, regulation, that's still evolving. So um, the space has uh, changed quite a bit. Um, at the f at the first point, you have um, the regulation of um, the smart contracting and um, the uh, enforceability of the terms. That is yet to be determined because the smart contract is online and it can actually be a f be used in multiple jurisdictions. The problem, however, is whether or not the contract's terms can be enforced in these jurisdictions. And if you actually have a, an unenforceable contract, then the value of what you have will be seriously affected. So this has yet to be determined. Then, the, uh, there, of course, the intellectual property issues, which have uh, also been uh, aware, uh, people need to be aware of. And then when you also sell and buy, for example, art on an uh, NFT platform, uh, market like OpenSea, you have to be aware of what the rules cover what you're buying. Um, with a lot of these platforms, it's a buyer beware caveat emptor. Uh, all right, I have an email here. It's, it's uh, from Jeffrey. I'm not sure who he's um, talking about exactly. He just says, I think he's making a mess of explaining it. Basically, he, he's talking about NFTs. Basically, it's a method that you can register the IP and proof of the origin, origin of a digital file. The actual image is not on the chain. And that's uh, from Jeffrey. Is he right? Yes. Yeah. The, N right. the NFT. Um, I mean, there, there are several. There are several people who have explained NFTs differently. So then, on um, the the definition I like, that's a bit more from a Coin Telegraph re uh, research, is that an NFT is a uh, deed of ownership of, uh, that's tokenized, which is on the blockchain and is pro programmable. So that's another way to look at it. But the uh, Jeffrey is correct that the um, NFT does not actually hold the uh, physical um, item. It actually has a uh, URI, what it's called, uh, which points to the item itself. Yeah, so we've all heard of these stories of people making millions and then losing millions um, just the following day uh, on, on cryptocurrency. And, and, and of course, that can happen in NFT as well. If, if you know... Uh, Jesse, if you were to advise someone who's thinking of buying an NFT, um, I mean, would you even advise that? Um, I would advise uh, trying to mint NFTs uh, that are that just come out. So I would say the quote-unquote primary market, where you actually go and, and use your, your MetaMask wallet to interact uh, with a, a certain uh, specialized website. Um, in, instead of uh, going and buying uh, like at a, at a pre uh, buying a NFT at a very high premium. Yeah, so so is that correct, Ronald? Just a quick turnover. Don't don't hold on to it. Um, depends on what you're buying. Okay, um, let, let me let me go into the gaming community. Animoca several months back actually sold a Formula One race car as an NFT, and the the NFT is actually being used in various games to generate cryptocurrency. So it is in fact a form of income property. Now, in that case, if it's generating a lot of money 
in the crypto world, um, then you would actually have uh, something you'd want to hold on to. Um, so, so I guess it would really say uh, to to use a famous to use a lawyer's favorite expression. It depends. <laughs> um, anyway, also the other thing. The other thing um, I wanted to add: uh, if if you have um, your um, authentic, sorry, um, there there are uh, there are um, initiatives in Hong Kong to um, deal with some of these other issues that I've been uh, talking about, and so the um, and regulation. And you asked about regulation. Um, regulations of cryptocurrency would also affect NFTs because um, you had you know you saw like in in China, for example, when they uh, cracked down on cryptocurrencies, all these uh, exchanges renamed their uh, NFTs as um, digital collectibles. What do you what do you think, Jesse, of uh, China's crackdown on on NFT? Isn't that a way of protecting um, actual ownership of physical things? Um, I think it's a pity. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, it's it's still because of the origin of NFTs, it is categorized as a cryptocurrency. Um, so uh, with a uh, overarching uh, regulation on you know a total ban on cryptocurrency, I think. Uh, yeah, it's just pity. I think I think it could have done more. But you can you can kind of step it back and, and say, oh, it's just a digital collectible, and it's as long as it's not traded uh, based on denominated in Ethereum or Bitcoin, it's still I, I think that's still valid. Ronald, you what do you, what do you think? I mean, you know, allowing if suppose you know China say, okay, everybody can have cryptocurrency now. Does that open a Pandora's box for fraud? Well, I think part of the reason is also there's a certain social element that you have to consider that they don't want people um, speculating in all these uh, th uh, newfangled things that they may not understand. Um, it is very possible that once they things calm down a bit and they understand the potential for using crypto uh, to mint NFTs that can be used for things other than art and games uh, in, in truly valuable ways, they may change their mind about this. It does so allow people who basically wouldn't be able to, you know, in, in, in the, in the uh, regular world of finance, wouldn't be able to buy stocks and shares. It does allow them um, to invest and basically, you know, make some money. Doesn't it, Ronald? Well, um, I've heard of teenagers even doing this. Well, yes, it is. You know, it is a form of speculation, ultimately, in that in that regard. Unless you're, of course, um, using it for NFT gaming as income property, then it's actually investment. So right. it depends on what you're using it for. I know we've been discussing um, earlier about the uh, huge impact uh, NFT has on uh, art, uh, art, the art world. Um, what about its impact on the environment? I mean, how damaging is it? Well, the, um, there's a lot of um, talk about that in terms of, um, and it really comes down to the minting because there's quite a lot of minting involved. Um, I've heard um, somewhere, I, I read somewhere, um, that uh, the minting of Ethereum uh, worldwide was um, using as much power as all of uh, Costa Rica's consumption in a year. So um, there is a problem in that. Um, so they are going to have to find um, less uh, environmentally costly uh, forms. They are doing so with um, you know, newer technologies, but it's still quite a lot of um, uh, computing cycles involved in which which requires a lot of power and heat etc jesse what's your view i mean I, I from what i've been reading it's um it seems like every time you sell an nft to another buyer 
um, you have to use more more computer power, more energy. Yeah, uh, right now uh, with uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, both uh, what we call there's still mining involved. Uh, you do you do you are burning a lot of energy, but um, Ethereum will is scheduled to go into um, non-burning mode, which is called proof of stake, uh, in about six months. How so, does how does that work? Explain. Uh, so they're just shifting from a. Uh, a, a Mining to no mining. It, it's another. It's a, that's another in our conversation. So I'm, so the term is it's proof of work going to proof of stake. So um, instead of proving, instead of using uh, a passion power or processing power to kind of pr protect uh, the network, they're just going into it. Uh, what a lot of networks use, which is called proof of stake. So you own a certain coins and then you you help process the the uh, transactions, and that should potentially save a lot of lot of power because you, no more mining involved. Yeah, Ronald. So this this use of powers is really about running lots of computers somewhere in Scandinavia, somewhere very cold. Correct? Yeah. So what happens when we have a massive breakdown of power? Uh, you don't have NFTs. You don't have <coughs> you don't have cryptocurrency. No, that's actually a danger. Um, uh, with with the whole um, NFT environment, the whole DeFi environment. Um, two weeks ago, uh, and Amazon Web Service went down, and uh, they took down a whole bunch of uh, DeFi and crypto exchanges. So yes, that is a definite uh, risk. Um, and yeah, if it gets a bit little warm in uh, Scandinavia, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to uh, find another place to uh, put their uh, servers. When these breakdowns happen, is there an impact on the uh, actual world, on the physical world? Um, well, yeah. Um, there, well, the breakdowns happen. There could be, depending on what, depending on what systems have been brought down and who's depending on those systems. Okay, the, I mean, but we're talking in environment in general, um, not just with the NFTs and cryptos, etc. All right, Andrew, just to wrap up this discussion, I just want to get your final view on um, what you see as the future for NFTs, Jesse. Um, I see NFTs uh, going far beyond what it is right now. Right now, it's really just a collectible and a kind of bragging rights. I do think um, the the new kind of innovation and, and, and what people use with NFT uh, will will kind of will wow us uh, in the next six to nine months. And Ronald, I tend to agree. Um, I think there will be a lot of new applications for NFTs that will be. You'll see that they can actually be used for something than um, fancy artwork and um, even beyond gaming as well. All right, uh, we'll have to leave it there, but thanks for joining us again this morning. That's uh, Ronald Yu, a lecturer on fintech at the Engineering School of the Chinese University, and uh, Jesse Ko, the uh, General Manager of Blockchain Solutions. It's uh, now 18 minutes past nine, and it's time to turn to our final topic today, and that's about the government's Christmas tree recycling program that will start next Saturday. For more details, we're joined on the line now by Dr. Keith Lai, Senior Environmental Protection Officer for food waste management. Good morning, Dr. Lai. Yes, good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Yeah, so, welcome. So, so how does this uh, Christmas tree recycling program work? Uh, in fact, the government launches the natural Christmas tree recycling program aiming to collect the abandoned natural Christmas trees for the public and commercial and industrial organization after Christmas holiday in order to facilitate its recycling. So the 221 and 222 uh, natural Christmas tree recycling program will be held between 2nd and 5th January, that is this Sunday, till the next Wednesday. And members of the public can send their abandoned natural Christmas tree either to uh, Yard Waste Recycling Center Wiper at Zhangzhou Tumun or 15 designated district collection ponds for Hong Kong Island, uh, Kowloon, 
and new territories, which include two newly added uh, Green Wan Jai and Queen Sai Kung Recycling Station. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Lai, Christmas trees are big. You know, mm. they, they can be six feet tall. How do you suggest people bring the trees there? Uh, in fact, uh, uh, for well, normally, for the household Christmas tree, uh, it would not be very tall. Normally, uh, less than two meter tall. So, uh, for for normal household Christmas tree, the the public can use the, some uh, uh, hand trolleys to deliver it to nearby the uh, collection point. It will be no problem. But for the commercial and industrial sector, the Christmas tree can be big. So they, they normally they will hide the landscape contractor to to cut it and then deliver it to to white part for recycling. How successful has this program been in the past couple of years? Uh, in fact, uh, our program start since uh, uh, end 2016. So the 2021 and 2022 uh, Christmas tree recycling program, it will be the sixth event of the program. And so far, we have received uh, uh, about 140 tons of natural Christmas tree in the past six years. Um, and, and, and which is equivalent to about uh, 14,000 number of trees. I think this is, uh, I think, uh, is a, a good number uh, because uh, we successfully divert this kind of uh, natural Christmas tree from dumping into the landfill. So, so 14,000 Christmas trees have been recycled. Do you have any idea how many, actually, how many trees actually go straight to the landfill? Uh, we have no, uh, no uh, such kind of stat- statistics. But uh, I think uh, uh, we will keep continue to uh, do more promotion to encourage more uh, lateral Christmas tree uh, uh, buyer to uh, uh, recycle their Christmas tree after after the Christmas party through our program. When you say recycle, what what actually happens to the trees? Uh, in fact, when the trees was uh, uh, was collected, it will be uh, this year we will be delivered to the White Park, and then uh, basically. Uh, uh, recycling uh, lateral Christmas tree is not an easy undertaking because uh, they usually come with uh, uh, quite a lot of uh, festive decorations like links, tapes, and bottom stands. And also, the tree trunk is usually small, so we also we also limit its application. So after we collect the lateral Christmas tree, first firstly, our workers will sort out all such kind of foreign objects, the fest- festive decoration, like links, tapes, and bottom stand from the Christmas tree. Then the twigs will be cut out from the tree trunk, and the twigs and leaves will turn into compost with other yard waste. And for the large tree trunk, we will be used as a wood log for making souvenirs, wood art, or even some decorative features in the garden. But for the small tree trunks, we usually shake it into wood chips with other yard waste for using as mulch. Does the government actually have a, 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 an initiative to actually discourage people to stop buying so many trees for Christmas? Uh, yes, in fact, we always encourage the public to buy some reusable uh, de- uh, festive decoration as far as practicable. But we also uh, know that there's some uh, public or commercial or industrial uh, sectors, they are interested in doing uh, buying the lateral Christmas tree. So we launched this program. But uh, the principle is we encourage them to use reusable uh, festive decoration as far as practicable. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned just now that, that a part of the um, 
job in recycling them is to take the decorations and the stands off. Do, so is, is there a website somewhere to advise people, you know, if I want to recycle my tree, you really should take all the decorations off first? Yes, we also we also encourage public to do so, even in our poster, in our website, you know. Um, the, 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 the cost of matter to do good recycling is clean recycling. So uh, every, I mean, foreign object should be removed from the natural Christmas tree first. Otherwise, it will it will break down our machine, the shredding machine or cutting machine. Uh, and in, uh, currently, uh, after we receive the natural Christmas tree, our workers need to spend a lot, a lot of effort to take out those foreign objects, and it is really, really time consuming. So we highly encourage the public to do clean, clean recycling. Take off all the festive decoration, like lengths, tapes, etc., before deliver the natural Christmas tree to our collection ponds. And where do these workers come from? The ones that will be uh, uh, working on this program? Do you have to hire um, extra workers, or are these orig- uh, or your your EPD staff? Uh, uh, we have a contractor. In fact, um, before White Park is established, uh, we uh, the natural Christmas tree program is just an ad hoc service. So we, 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 uh, the collection and recycling service will provide wire and one-off uh, service contract. But now uh, this program, the electrical uh, Christmas tree recycling program, is a part of the operation of White Park. So uh, Y Park contractor will mobilize their, their workers to handle this electrical uh, Christmas tree received, uh, just like other yardways uh, the Y Park received. And uh, this year, do you expect uh, there to be more trees for uh, for recycling? I mean, uh, on one hand, uh, many people are staying here for the uh, festive season, and on the other hand, I don't know, there might be a yeah. What, what do you think? Um, uh, we get uh, we estimate the number of the Christmas tree will be more or less similar to previous year. Yeah, in fact, in the previous uh, four years. The, 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 the amount of natural Christmas tree we receive is maintained quite steady, around uh, 30 tons per year. So I guess uh, this year will be more or less the same. Is it composting also just done locally? Uh, composting is a, a, a method to, to handle the natural Christmas tree, but it can only handle the, the twist and also the leaves uh, part of the natural Christmas tree. But for the trunk, we need to uh, use another way because it is a woody material and composting is not the best method. So for the large tree trunk, uh, we will try to use it to make some souvenirs or wood art or some uh, decorative feature for the garden. Who, who is the, making this art? Who is making this uh, art? Normally, we, will, we, we, have, uh, we, we get hold of uh, a lot of wood artists uh, in the market to see if they are interested uh, uh, in using this natural Christmas tree trunk to make some uh, I mean, good things for them. Yeah. And, and in the future, do you, do you see um, the EPD expanding this program? Is there a need to expand it? Um, uh, as, as, as I have mentioned, we encourage the public to use reusable festive decoration as far as practicable. So we will keep review the situation uh, and, and see the statistic and, and, and decide whether we will uh, expand our, our program or not. But uh, with Park here, we always uh, can do uh, uh, things in more systematic and professional manner. Of course, the other kind of plants that we have for the festive season are the poinsettias and then Chinese New Year, there, there will be the, the uh, little tangerine trees. Do you recycle those? Um, uh, 
we have uh, we will launch uh, another uh, a program called a uh, beach uh, blossom tree recycling program, and we will recycle beach blossom trees. But for the tangerine trees, we we encourage the public to try to uh, to try uh, uh, to replant it, because unlike a uh, beach blossom tree, they have been cut out and they cannot be replanted anymore. Tangerine tree, they can be replanted and then use uh, 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 and, and have uh, uh, tangerines next year. So we encourage the public to replant it. Uh, and going back to the Christmas trees, uh, you said that you you're encouraging people to uh, use more um, res- um, like reusable decorations. Um, how are you going to do that? I mean, what have you been doing? Have you just been uh, putting putting these messages on your website? I mean, what more can be done? Uh, I think uh, education is, is is very important, and and uh, uh, we have always uh, uh, educate people uh, tr- uh, try to reuse. Uh, the waste material first, and uh, try to try to reduce first, and then if you cannot reduce it, you reuse it, and then if you can you cannot uh, uh, reuse it, then recycle it. I think we we, we make it clear that this waste uh, hierarchy, but we will keep continue to deliver this message to the public. Why don't you expand it to cover all those plants that are sold at Chinese New Year? I mean, that's a big sale of plants in Hong Kong rather than Christmas trees, isn't it? Ah. Uh, in fact, uh, in addition to the beach blossom trees, uh, we have also cooperated with the um, uh, uh, New Year uh, fund market to collect the, the, the wild flowers from the market. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, we have this intention, yeah. And you've been uh, encouraging people to get, uh, um, I don't know, like re- uh, reusable Christmas decorations, Christmas trees. What about Chinese New Year? Is that possible? Uh, uh I think every, uh, it is possible, but uh, you know, this is, it is also the culture uh, 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 the, uh, of, of Hong Kong people. So uh, we need to uh, grapple uh, uh, a balance. Yeah, uh, 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 try to encourage uh, 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 the perfect to use the reusable item, but in, on the other hand, need to get ready to uh, recycle something that uh, they need to dispose. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll have to leave it there for now. That's uh, Dr. Keith Lai, Senior Environmental Protection Officer for Food Waste Management. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Also, many thanks to all of you who uh, commented through email and our Facebook page. And, of course, my co-host Jenny and producer Yuki. Thank now, you. here's the weather. Um, it'll be fine and cool in the morning, dry during the day with a top temperature of around 21 degrees. Winds moderate north to northeasterlies, fresh offshore at first. And the outlook mainly fine with cool mornings in the next couple of days. Right now it's 17 degrees, relative humidity 73%. To save electricity and money and combat climate change, use products with Grade 1 energy labels. The energy efficiency grading standards for window type air conditioners, dehumidifiers and compact fluorescent lamps have been upgraded. The products now have U2 labels and their grading may be adjusted. When choosing products, use Energy Saver in the E&M Connect app from the Electrical and Mechanical Services Department for comparison. Reduce carbon emissions to achieve carbon neutrality. It's 9.30, the news with Andrew Shirovsky. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong says that actions taken against stand news have little to do with news reporting. The British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell has been convicted of trafficking underage girls for sexual abuse by the late U.S. financier Jeffrey Epstein. And France has announced another record daily total for coronavirus cases, with more than 200,000 people testing positive in the past 24 hours. 
I'll have more on these and other stories at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the university. A set and costume designer. Great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring. Doggy Council. Co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults. It's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online. This is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to Thursday here on Mining Brew. Well, why not geese a listen on this, the sixth day of Christmas? Here's what's going down. 1010, going to welcome back folky and producer and musician Mark Rawson, who's going to invite you to some New Year gigs and to gently tickle what's going to be a weekly Morning Brew spot featuring some awesome Hong Kong bands of all genres. Because these days, our homegrown talent has made some wicked recordings. Really, really good stuff. So we're going to play them. 11.10, our morning brew vet, Dr. David Gething, will be with us for the last one of this year. This time of year, we always talk about pets and puppies are forever and all that kind of stuff, but we never really talk about the animals themselves. I mean, did you know that canine depression is a very real thing? And it has signs and symptoms, just like the human version does. Also, we had an email the other day about a very nasty condition called bloat. It can be fatal, but thankfully for this listener and her dog, all is now well. And of course, if you've got any questions for Dave, stick them on our Facebook page. Morning Brew. 